Welcome. Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. Whatever these months of pandemic and isolation may bring, we know that the Holy Spirit will still be weaving us together as a community. And we want to claim, to keep claiming nearly one year in, to keep claiming this time of physical distance from one another, not simply as something to endure and get to the other side of, even though of course it feels like that sometimes, but also as an experience that we can share together as a church community. Today we will hear a story from Luke's gospel of Jesus's transfiguration on the mountaintop. And our dear sister Jennifer Delante will be our preacher this morning. She has convened a group of folks the past couple of months that have been reading a book together about discernment in faith communities. And she'll be reflecting on transformation as an essential part of spiritual discernment. We're delighted to have your voice in our worship, Jennifer. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples. Here in Seattle, here in snowy Seattle, we are on the unceded lands of the Duwamish, and we affirm that settlers have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous peoples. As a congregation, we contribute real rent to the Duwamish tribe, and many of our households are also real renters. We give thanks to Creator and to the people who have stewarded our lands for generations. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and worship here as we witness the reconciling movement of the Spirit and seek to live into right relations with our Indigenous neighbors and with all of creation. Amen, and may it be so. We gather in song in the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Was my 
invite you to join me in a call to worship and you may join on a refrain we are welcome let's practice that together we are welcome you are welcome here if you are delighted to be here and if you are tired or troubled together we are welcome if your faith is strong and if your faith is battered or frail, together, we are welcome. If you are eager to praise God, and if you need to be quiet, together, we are welcome. God welcomes us all to worship today and promises to meet us here. As we light our just peace candle again this week, we acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all creation. And today we remember all who are experiencing loss and trauma in the wake of this week's fatal shooting in the Central District. And we pray fervently for a just peace. Together, we long for a just peace, we pray for a just peace, and we choose to live for a just peace. Peace be with you all, and also with you. Pastor Amy is experiencing a couple of days of spiritual retreat, and we release and bless her to that. And before she left, she left us with the gift of a continuation of the drawing, the journey with Jesus. They'd never seen anything like Hello, everyone. We are still on the road with Jesus. I think this will be our last Sunday of drawing the journey with Jesus and his disciples. You can remember, we started way back here with the wise travelers through into the synagogue where Jesus proclaimed good news and then called his disciples to fish for people and then into another synagogue where he argued with the leaders about the Sabbath and then healed a man's hand. And then last week when he healed a widow's son and he came back to life and then word about him spread all over the countryside. So I did have to add a paper to our journey with Jesus. So this Sunday, Jesus journeys up a mountain. He goes there with some disciples that we've met before, 
Peter and John and James. Those were the fellow, the fishermen from the this story back here. So we met them before. They went up the mountain with Jesus and they went to pray. Here we go. We're going to make some prayer hands, just like the emoji. I think that sort of looks like prayer hand emoji. I feel like I did them better when I practiced them. So there they go. They go up the mountain to spend some time in prayer. And when they're on the top of the mountain, I'm going to do that thing that you sometimes see on maps where you have a, like a magnifying glass to the top of the mountain. Magnify the top of the mountain. So there, when they're on the top of the mountain, all of a sudden, they see that Jesus... His clothes, when I read the story for this one, it said his clothes were flashing like lightning. Sometimes it says they become bright white. He transforms so that his clothes are bright white. Or in this version that I read, flashing like lightning. And with Jesus were two men. And we learn that those men are Moses. Here we go. I'm going to give this person some tablets like in the Ten Commandments, there they are. So there, that's Moses. With Jesus are Moses and Elijah. I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to give both of these Old Testament prophets beards. And Elijah, he gets to have a raven because there is a story about Elijah being fed by ravens. So there they are. They're on the top of this mountain. And they're Jesus is transformed so that his clothes are bright white or flashing like like lightning. And these two men from from their stories that they know, Moses and Elijah are with him. And these disciples, I I still don't have room for them, but you can imagine they're, they're so sleepy because they've been staying up all night. But they see this happening. And Peter, let's say this was Peter, he says to Jesus, oh, Jesus, let me just... Build, let me just put up three tents so that you can all stay together. But as he's saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and surrounded them. So there's a cloud that's overshadowing everything that's happening. We want to make sure we don't leave out these friends. The cloud is overshadowing them. And then from the cloud, they hear the words. And they're very, of course, this cloud is overcome them. It's very frightening. They're, they're just in awe and they're scared. Uh, and for, but from the cloud, there comes a voice. And it said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to my son. There's the, I'm going to make this speech bubble. Coming from the cloud, the cloud, from this cloud, they hear this, these words. And then Jesus was by himself. These two disappear. They go away. Jesus is just all by himself. And the disciples, they don't know what to say. They can't say anything. In fact, they didn't tell anybody what they had just seen, even after they go back down the mountain. I wonder if that's because they didn't they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what had happened. They'd never seen anything like that before. They'd never seen 
Jesus transformed. They'd never seen Moses and Elijah, who they knew from the stories in their Bibles. They'd never seen that while they were praying. And I wonder if they just thought it was a dream because they were very sleepy. They didn't know what was happening. This is the last story in our drawing, the drawing the journey with Jesus. But it's not the last story in our Bible. So we'll have to keep listening for where Jesus goes next. We continue our worship and song. Praise, I will praise you, Lord. Praise, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Oh God, I will tell the wonders of your ways and glorify your name. Praise, I will praise you, We now have a reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. Our reading begins with the story of the Transfiguration, which we have already heard and seen a preview of in Amy's drawing with the children's time. And our narrative lectionary text actually carries on beyond the story of the transfiguration. So I invite you to listen to whatever it is that stands out to you as surprising or new or troubling or hope-filled. What sparkles for you in this reading from Luke? 
Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While Peter was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my own, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met Jesus. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him and all at once he shrieks. It throws him into convulsions until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. As the boy approached, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. While everyone was amazed at all that Jesus was doing, he said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The chosen one is going to be betrayed into human hands. But they did not understand this saying. Its meaning was concealed from them so that they could not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Sister Jennifer, may the words of your mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you, Megan, and good morning, friends. Um, you may have seen over the last several weeks the offer for a 12-week book group that um, seven people signed up for, and uh, it's been a wonderful time of fellowship. We have 
um, set a, a evening church time, 6 p.m. on Sundays, um, to get together and to discuss this book. We've just done one chapter a week, and today is actually going to be our 11th of our 12 12 week series. And so we're actually almost completed and are grateful that we can bring um, some insights and information to you from what um, from what we've been reading and discussing over all this time. So the people who were in this group are Pete and Pat Lagerway, Emily Gertz, Daryl Morris, Elaine Hickman, Lisa Bade, Pastor Megan and me. And um, and I was given soul, uh, soul, soul, permission to go ahead and bring this to you this morning. So you will be hearing from, from me and me alone. So let's go ahead and start with, uh, I have a PowerPoint just to kind of help so you don't have to just, you know, look at my talking head the whole time. Um, we're, we're review, we have been reviewing the book, Pursuing God's Will Together by Ruth Haley Barton. Um, but we'll begin with the very first slide uh, or the very next slide on, um, in, in, as, concerning the transfiguration of Jesus. Um, and it's worth noting that prior to this transfiguration scene that Megan just shared with us on the mountain, that Jesus had been actively doing God's will, healing people and performing miracles, proclaiming the good news of God as loving, benevolent, and desirous of relationship. Uh, and that Jesus continued doing that work thereafter in the scripture, after the the um, the transfiguration scene, he, he healed the boy's convulsions and prophesied about uh, how his earthly life was going to conclude. Um, so Jesus regularly retreated to mountains to pray and be filled with the Spirit for the Holy Spirit for his, his ministry. And, um, and so this particular time when he went up on the mountain, he took three disciples with him. And I'm really grateful that we, we did, that he did, because as followers of Christ um, to know about this mystical, incredible experience of the transfiguration, I think is very important for us um, because our, our experience as Christians is a mystical experience in addition to you know, our boots on the ground, trying to do what we can, trying to be good, decent people, but it's, there's, there's mysticism to it too. Um, so for completion of God's will in Jerusalem, Jesus needed further equipping. Um, when Peter, James, and John awoke from slumber, they beheld Jesus, Moses, and Elijah in splendorous light, discussing what laid ahead of Jesus in Jerusalem. Um, Moses represented Jewish law, Elijah represented prophecy, and in Jesus's transfiguration, they were equipping him for the new thing God was calling him to, the resurrection and salvation of the world. Peter thought the right thing to do in this incredible moment they were experiencing was to establish a memorial by building three tabernacles for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus uh, right there on the mountain. Um, yet in suggesting it, it's written that he didn't know what he was talking about. Perhaps he was dumbstruck. Um, so God showed up to erase any doubt whatsoever that this was an extraordinary and supernatural experience and said, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. Well, as we know, the tabernacles did not get Get built so that must not have been god's will and so as we've been reading this book about you know discerning and doing god's will and having holy indifference and so forth we we would be well served if we could climb a nearby mountain and um, bring our discernment questions such as for example with the mvs property disposition uh pray diligently while we're up there and then await some saints <laughs> to show up to confer confer with and equip us that would be fabulous and even Furthermore, hearing the straight word from God about what we should do, that would be wonderful. 
to have a transfiguration experience. Um, but uh, we have to go about gaining God's word in other ways. Um, and the most important thing that we do in gaining God's word is we listen. We listen to each other. We listen to Jesus. We listen to the deep stirrings within our hearts. Um, and, uh, and we listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And so, whereas Jesus was able to have transformation, we get to have, or excuse me, transfiguration, we get to have transformation. And so in, in the book, we were reading about how it's important in, in, in learning to discern and be together as a discerning community. It's important that we tend to our own individual spiritual formation, engaging scripture, prayer and solitude and silence on a mountain, if we wish, um, singing, journaling, you know, what are some of your uh, spiritual spiritual practices that you do to for, for your walk with God. We also engage a rule of life, which um, establishes a healthy, healthy lifestyle practices for ourselves that just enable our well-being so that we are able to show up and do life every day. Um, and then, of course, we also connect with our faith community, which means coming together in unity. Community means coming together in unity. And, and then we honor each other in, in our community with honesty, the honesty of, of, of what, what, we, what we bring as well as trusting in each other. So next slide. What, one of the things I'm wondering too is, can you think of ways that, that you have been transformed by your faith? You know, can you think of ways that one of the examples that I shared with with our book group is um, I noticed when I became when I, I became moderator for Pacific Northwest Conference for Mennonite Church that um, that I was actually I started swearing less. I, I had had a lifelong terrible habit of, of cursing. And um, but I noticed that as I was tending more to my spiritual life in this new role as moderator um, and the new relationships of the people I was meeting throughout the Mennonite church and the good work that I was engrossed in, that, that this, was, this was transforming me. I mean, I noticed at some point that I was cursing less and my, my family noticed it too. So that's the, that's the gift of transformation. So now let us talk about discernment. What is discernment? Um, discernment involves a major commitment to listening with love and attention, as you see here at the bottom of the slide. It's also a cultivation of a quality of attentiveness to God steeped in our spirituality, that we have our spirituality as a way of life. And so as you see here from this, this verse from Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. Now we're blessed that in discernment, we have the creator of the universe to help us make decisions. You know, it's not just left to us. It's not just left to us and our different personalities and our different things and our triggers and everything else that we bring to us. We actually have God showing up too. We get to intentionally invite God into our discernment. And so the heart of the discernment processing is listening to each other, to what's going on in the depths of our own souls, where God's spirit is witnessing with our spirit about things that are true. Now, the impulse to discern, to come together and, and to figure something out together is in itself a good spirit to be cultivated. Um, and and it, it asks the question, are we willing to do God's will even before we know what it is? It sounds daunting to be able to figure out what God's will is, but if we're willing, the wonderful thing is that God shows up too. So, 
Discernment also always tends toward concrete expressions of love with real people rather than theoretical conversations about theology and philosophy. There's too much going on in this world that needs our attention. We don't need to be debating about stuff that's up here in our heads. We need to go straight down into our hearts and tend to what is, what is, is, is before us. So next slide, please. So let's talk a little bit about God's will. What is God's will? What is God's will in, mat in matters before us? It says here in 1 Corinthians, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. We know that simply put, we are not God. So who are we to try and discern God's will? Well, in the Lord's prayer, Jesus taught us this petition. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thus, we wish to do that which pleases and is in accordance with God's will. But of course, I can get really muddled up with figuring out exactly what that is. And sometimes when we are feeling called to something that seems really extraordinary, but it doesn't really make any sense. And so the foolishness of God keeps us humble. We cannot always explain why we are doing something so counterintuitive to what our human understanding inclines us to do. But the first chapter of, of, of First Corinthians contains several expository verses about this. Paul was addressing a church that was blessed with gifts of speech and knowledge, yet rent with conflict and dissension. Let's listen in. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this world through its wisdom? I'm sorry, where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Adelphi siblings in Christ, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before God. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 18 to 31. So therefore we seek unity of the spirit, even when opinions differ. As we seek God together, 
a spirit of unity that God's will may be done is God's gift to us. Our friends, the Quakers, believe that God's will is not divided, but unitive. Unity is the fundamental marker that God's direction has been discerned. Next slide, please. Now, indifference. Indifference can be kind of a loaded term. We have a short little video clip to show you what we often think indifference is. Stella, I am indifferent to your needs right now. I'm trying to get some things done here. So the indifference that we are talking about here today is not the indifference to my cat interrupting me. It's the, and, and what my cat is wanting, it's the holy indifference. Holy indifference is something that we seek to have outside of everything but the will of God. It's a gift brought to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's something we cannot make happen ourselves. And it's given, holy indifference is given for the purpose of being open to a new work in God. It's a cultivation of the spirit of indifference to anything but the will of God. So we humbly ask God for indifference, for this sort of holy indifference in two ways. Indifference to our own personal ego and agendas and indifference for our congregation to anything but the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, as we long for on earth as it is in heaven, we acknowledge our humanity before God with humility and gratitude for this opportunity to align ourselves with the wild, unexpected promptings the Holy Spirit may have in the matter that is before us. So as I've listed here, first we pray for indifference to be released from our own personal desire to be perceived as wise, in control, seeking Stella, approval. Or I am indifferent to your needs right now. Them. I'm trying to get some things. Stella has come back. <laughs> Stella's not indifferent to her needs. <laughs> so, um, and, and, then, and then once we have received the cleansing gift of, of holy indifference within our own selves, so that we aren't coming you know, to, our, to our faith community trying to push a certain agenda and so forth, we can then join in collectively pray, praying for our unity that already exists in Christ Jesus. We can request together indifference to anything but God's plan in the matter before us. And when we collectively receive this gift of indifference, we are then ready to pray for God's wisdom to come to us in the matter that we are seeking to discern. Now, this book mainly went, uh, it's, it's, it's talking about how, how to discern God's will together as leadership groups. Um, uh, there are many denominations, including ours, that tend to be non-hierarchical. And so this, this actually can be a way of trying to, trying to figure out collectively as a community how to do something. We have, we have wondered if this is actually even possible for a large group. Um, but we also know too that, um, that the Holy Spirit is just not encumbered by any of our limitations, you know, and that what, is, what seems wise to us is actually not necessarily <laughs> that wise in God's realm. So um, we, have, we have covered a lot of concepts here. Um, 
just just this morning, a fair amount of scripture, a distillation of this book, and several weeks of meetings. But um, I, I wanted us to now just review the five prayers. It's kind of a chain of prayers that a group or a, a leadership group or even a larger group would do in, um, in, in seeking to discern God's will together um, and, and with holy indifference. Following each prayer would be a time of silence um, that, that would allow the Holy Spirit some space to be at work in and among us. Uh, we honor each other in the complexity of our work as we sit in silence together and, and, and going through this, this, what I call a prayer chain. Um, and then so to, you know, to letting no good prayer go unused as I read through these prayers. And if you wish, I encourage you to utilize them for whatever petitions and wonderings um, may be currently harbored in your hearts. So this first prayer, the prayer of quiet trust. This is just, I think, the most beautiful psalm of all the psalms. It's only three verses long, and it's so, it's such a comforting song, it, it, a psalm, and, and a prayer to calm and ground ourselves in the comfort and goodness of God's presence. Uh, with contentment and hope, we acknowledge our childlike need of God. Prayer of quiet trust, number one. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters or things, with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Amen. And the next prayer is the prayer for indifference, for indifference, a personal beseeching, a bearing of the soul before God, a gift from God. Receiving the gift of holy indifference from God is a gift. We cannot make this forces or make this come of our own accord. And as we ask for holy indifference, we are trusting in the truth of deep belief in the goodness of God, that love is our ultimate calling and that seeking unity of the spirit together the spirit of indifference to anything but the will of God. I know I am not indifferent in this, Lord. I know that part of me still clings to my own agenda. If I am to become indifferent, you will have to do it for me. Amen. Now that was the prayer of indifference. We're asking God to work in us. The prayer for indifference is coming together collectively to prayer, to pray the prayer of in, I, thank you. the prayer of indifference is a collective petition from our body that we may position ourselves to receive God's wisdom. So here, this prayer of abandonment that was written a century, more than a century ago, Creator God, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love in my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my creator. Amen.
Next, we have the prayer of wisdom, the prayer for wisdom. We have set aside our personal agendas and habitual patterns to listen for where God is at. We are vulnerable and open, needing direction for where to go on the matter before us. So the prayer for wisdom is based on James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Lord, meet our need for your wise voice and guidance. May your will be done. Amen. And just in case we need it, there is a second prayer of quiet trust. While we are in silence and awaiting God's wisdom, this second prayer of assurance reminds us we are exactly where we need to be. The second prayer is based on Romans 8:16. The spirit herself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We also know that where two or more are gathered in God's name, there is God. Now, in the wake of this chain of prayers with spaces of silence between them, we then speak together of what we heard and or experienced. We deeply listen to each other and pay special attention to the spoken consolations and des desolations. We utilize this shared information responsibly, considering all <clears throat> as something God wants to reveal to our group. We speak gratitudes to God and each other for this careful tending of our faith community and our desire to discern and do God's will. We allow the fullness of what we have experienced to be. And here's something really interesting. You know, this is all pretty mystical and difficult to understand from our heads. And so hopefully it makes more sense from our hearts because I do believe our hearts can hold such wondrous things. The Quakers believe that unity is the fundamental marker that God's direction has been discerned for what is best for the community. As I've stated before, unity of the spirit is a gift sought from God. And a final word about Peter. Peter listened to Jesus and apparently it was not God's will that those tabernacles be built there on the mountain. So Peter went on to do other things. He later denied Christ three times over a matter of hours. But then he also went on to build the Catholic Church. And so no matter the missteps, no matter the testing and trying to discern and trying to figure things out, that if if, if, one, if one place closes or if we mess up and we're denying our faith and so forth, God is still is not finished with us. God will continue to be with us. And that, my friends, is, is the greatest news of all. Amen. May it be so.
Darkness is not dark to you, God. Darkness is as light to you. Darkness is the source of insight. Darkness leads to what is true. Eyes closed blocking out the brilliant. We begin to see anew. Light obscures the sacred secrets. Light makes clear what should be blurred. Light defines and sharpens boundaries. Light aggressive, harsh, assured. Sitting in the shadows, waiting. We are met by God, the Word. God is Logos, hidden wisdom. God is what we cannot see. God is shrouded in deep silence. God is holy mystery. Yet with dark explosive power, we meet our divinity. Hmm, I feel like we need a minute just to hold that beautiful sound. The mystical message of the spirit moving with among us. Thanks be to God. Make us wise, O oh God, seeking God's will together with the spirit of indifference. For our prayers today, I invite you to use the chat box to name any communal prayers, individual prayers, prayers of longing for our community, for safety, for friends and family, any prayers that you are holding um, and want to uh, name for the community, please use the chat box today. Otherwise, we know that you are holding a lot in your own spirit that might be go unspoken. So we will hold all of those things today. Let us take in a breath. <sighs> take in another breath. Let it out with a sigh. <sighs> Darkness is not dark to you, God. Darkness can be the source of insight and lead us to what is true. Help us, God, to see anew. As we sit in shadows waiting, meet us, God, as living word. You are word and you are wisdom. You are holy mystery. 
with dark and explosive power, God. Meet us, guide us, help us see. We come to you, God, with our prayers of petition, gratitude, longing, and praise. Hear now the prayers of your people gathered here in your holy name. Together, we are just so grateful for the whole community of Lake City Partners Ending Homelessness. That includes Seattle Mennonite Church as a partner. We now have a staff of over 25 people. So many new folks have recently come on board to help with the Oaks Shelter, with the warming center that opened yesterday. Thanks be to God, given the snow, and for the volunteers that responded immediately to a call to be present at that space when staff could not show up. We're just grateful for people in within walking distance that were able to come out yesterday. And for the emergency cold weather shelter that is overflow for our winter shelter at St. Dunstan's Episcopal. There are so many moving parts, God. We pray for our leaders, Jonathan, who's been overextended this week, and Kevin and myself and Catherine at the day center for each one who is showing up, being stretched and pitching in. May each beloved one call, be called to this important labor, feeling uplifted by our prayers and our common vision of responding with compassion and courage to this crisis of homelessness in our community. So grateful. With our friends and partners in Burundi, we mourn the death this past week of vital Tohana, husband, father, and grandfather. Vital was the vice president of THARS, the Trauma Healing and Reconciliation Services. His wisdom will be missed and his love remembered. May his family experience your comforting presence, sustaining them. Together with Christian peacemaker teams, we lament the actions this week of the U.S. Border Patrol in sending migrants on our southern border back to Mexico. We pray for the safety of migrants on their uncertain journey. We give thanks for the volunteers who are working many hours every day to provide food, first aid, and emotional support to migrants. We ask for courage to speak out against the arbitrary policies of the Border Patrol. And we pray for forgiveness for those who make and carry out those policies. God, have mercy. God, we pray for all those impacted by the fatal shooting in the Central District this past week. Many in our community are grieving the death of a beloved or the shock of having borne witness to the violence or the trauma of having cops kill yet another person out of a truly violent act again in their neighborhood. God, have mercy on each one. Bring justice bring peace. 
Today, we hold in our prayers all those who live with dementia, both those experiencing its cruel hand, cruel decline firsthand, and those who bear witness to its cruel decline in beloved family members. Seek your spirit. We seek your spirit. Descend upon our community to offer comfort and deep peace. We celebrate today with Bill and Pat Shaver. We offer a prayer of thanksgiving with Margaret and Aaron Shaver and the rest of the Shavers who were blessed with a new member to their family on February 9. Marion Gwendolyn Shaver. Gratitude for this new baby in their midst. We are joyful and give thanks for her. Together with Kent Unruh, we offer prayers after his recent procedure that still needs medication adjustments that will need to be made over the next weeks. We ask for your patience and we pray for hopefulness. We hold Kent, Jeanette, Corey and Kai in our hearts and prayers, oh God, and pray that you will surround them with your love. We celebrate with anticipation and joy the new life that is coming for Kareth and Candace's family, as they shared with us last week the good news of a coming baby. May Kareth be well and healthy in body, mind, and spirit as she experiences this pregnancy. And may Candace also be well and healthy in this time of preparation for becoming a parent. Thank you for the gift of new life growing even now. We pray for Larry Scheffler, for his strength and recovery from his latest hospitalization. Turning to the chat box. Together we pray with Ruth. Thanks be to God that her mother's tooth came out and she is doing well. It was very infected, but now she is doing much better. Thanks be to God. Together with Annalena and Mark, we pray for cousin Roberto in Mexico who is dealing with COVID. And he lost his mother on Wednesday to COVID. We grieve together for so many who have been lost to COVID. From Megan, we offer prayers for all who are grieving loss of love or experiencing longing for love, for whom that grief or longing may be particularly acute today on Valentine's Day. Together we pray with Kent McDaniel The doctor has said that he will not survive a urology surgery, so he has to have a caregiver with him 24-7 now. I'm sorry, Kent. 
with Rebecca for her grandmother experiencing vascular dementia rather suddenly and preparing to move to assisted living. We pray for her health and wellness, also for the ripple effect that this has to her family. We also pray together for our discernment as a congregation for ongoing transformation. Make us wise, O oh God. As we sit in shadows waiting, meet us, God, as living word. You are word and you are wisdom. You are holy mystery. With dark and explosive power, God, meet us, guide us, help us see. And together, all God's people say, and sign. Amen. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to us. Amen. We are grateful for all the gifts that each of you offer to our congregation, your gifts of money and time and giftedness and expertise and all kinds of things, gifts of heart and mind and body and spirit. And we are grateful in this time of being physically distant for the means to collect our monetary offerings digitally. Grant us, God, the grace of giving with a spirit large and free, that ourselves and all our living we may offer unto thee. Amen. Our closing song for worship this morning, My Life Flows On, let us sing together. Mm -hmm. My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I catch the sweet though far off hymn That hails a new creation No storm can shake my inmost song All to that rock I'm clinging Since love is Lord of heaven and earth how can I keep from singing through all the tumult and the strife? I hear that music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? No storm can shake my inmost calm. All to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? One
But though my joys and comforts die, I know my Savior liveth. What though the darkness gather round, songs in the night he giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? The peace of Christ makes fresh my heart, a fountain ever springing. All things are mine since I am his. How can I keep from singing? No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Now, friends, receive this benediction, an adaptation of the prayer for wisdom, which we heard earlier. May God meet your need for a wise voice and guidance. May God meet our need for a wise voice and guidance. May God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in your life, and in our life together. Amen.